Hey Amazon selling enthusiast, it's Eric here, and if you're tired of the inventory management struggle, I've got a game changer for you. InventoryLab.com. InventoryLab simplifies e-commerce inventory management, integrates seamlessly with Amazon, and even syncs effortlessly with QuickBooks for hassle-free accounting. Go to Milwaukee Mafia slash IL now because your success deserves efficient inventory management. Happy selling. You're listening to Milwaukee Mafia, your podcast dose of Wisconsin Mafia and true crime history. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Milwaukee Mafia podcast. I'm Eric. I'm Gavin. Gavin, what do you got for us today? Uh, Today we're going to be talking about garbage. We're going back to garbage? We're going back to garbage. Oh my god. So it, so it just never dies, man. The mafia is constantly tied to garbage. No, this we're re-recording our garbage episode. Oh, oh, well, <laughs> well you kind of ruined that then. Yeah. All right, all right. Well, okay, we're re-recording an episode that we we previously had lost. So yeah. All right. Well, then take her away with the garbage. All right. So yeah, let's. I want to be clear about this for people. Uh, if, if you've listened for a long time and you're listening to this now, you've already heard this. Like, this is, my notes are almost exactly what they used to be. Um, but for you who are new to the podcast, relatively new, you would not have heard this. We had to toss some episodes for audio quality issues. Um, so it's just a handful, but we're going to go back and we're going to restore them. Um, which, unfortunately, we have to do from scratch. But, <laughs> but that's okay. That's all right. And it's all it, part of the learning process. All man. part of it. And and for this one, we're going to talk about uh, early garbage collection in Milwaukee. It's not mafia-specific, but it is like the first half of our garbage story. You need to understand the background to really understand the mafia part of the garbage. So, so do we have to redo both the garbage episodes? They are both on the redo list, yes. Wow. All right, I do recall this episode, so... Without further ado, let's hear about some garbage. Yeah. So, garbage has always, I mean, just really, just a fact. <laughs> just a fact. There's always things left over um, and also included in this in garbage, which, you know, you don't normally think about as garbage, but um, waste, human waste, animal waste. Don't think of that as garbage, but that's, but it is, you know, it's like a, it's a waste product. It's a leftover thing. And you got to get rid of all these things. And originally, but way back in the pioneer days, you didn't have that much stuff. I mean, you had you had to dig your outhouse hole or what. But beyond that, you didn't have a lot of packaging on on goods. You bought things, you know, brown paper wrapping, and like you'd have like your pigs and stuff out back. They eat up a lot of the stuff. So garbage really wasn't a big deal for a very very long time. But as cities get bigger and become more you know, industrialized, you get more packaging, you get more pre-made goods that just do not break down as well. And along with that, the move was kind of away from pigs, because as a city gets bigger, not everybody can have a pig, like, in their apartment. That doesn't make any sense. (laughs) But you still need a horse, you know, Mm -hmm. because before you have a car, you have a horse. Right. So it's like, now you got more people packed into one building, but they all need a horse. So and horses got, create 
And waste. horses create waste. <laughs> so you've got that. You've got more waste being made. You've got fewer pigs to get rid of the waste. And to be clear, the pigs are not eating horse poop. But the <laughs> but the food waste isn't getting rid of that way. So it is getting worse. And, you know, what are you going to do? So we started thinking about ways to do it. You've got landfills. You got dumps and you got incinerators. Those are like the three ways you get rid of waste. And just just before you really go into this story, yeah, what era are we talking about right now? Roughly? Late eighteen hundreds. Okay, so Late very 18- early on. Yes. Okay. Yes, and so one thing that people would do at this point in time, because there are no landfills or dumps or incinerators in Milwaukee from the late eighteen hundreds, there just aren't. Um, so people would would burn it in the street. They dump it in the river. Some some things they would throw in the street, and there were there were children who were called swill children, which is I'm sure that's they loved being called that. <laughs> but um, they were children who would go around and they would collect things out of the trash, like old rags and things like that, and use them for whatever. Um, they would collect ash because ash could be. And a lot of people had ash because they were burning coal and everything else. Mm-hmm. They'd collect ash and they could turn that into um soaps and things like that so you never know like a lot of things you can use waste for if you're really creative and were these kids hired by somebody to collect this stuff for them or was no. this a thing they were just being an entrepreneur and thinking okay i can do that collect all this crap and make it into this and sell it definitely some of them were entrepreneurs some of them were it was just necessity like their families were that poor sure. that the kids would have to go out and collect anything they could so yeah, by the by the time 1875, 1875, it is bad. Um, every time it rained, the waste would mix with mud. The streets weren't paved, so the streets all became a mix of mud and and horse poop, and it was it was terrible. Um, it's getting really bad. 1875, they estimated. I don't know where they got these numbers, but they estimated that horse poop in Milwaukee was up to twenty-five tons a day, which is a ridiculous amount. At, at this point, they have to be doing something with it, right? They must have a system at this this point. If they're producing twenty-five yeah. tons a day, yeah. So what is is that? What we're going into, or what is we're this? we're leading into it, right? Okay. At first, their their plan, what they can't like, just dump in the river. They haul out into the countryside. Now, I don't know if horse manure can be used for farming purposes or not. I, I imagine it probably could. Yeah, I'm sure it can. But but even if it couldn't, like just to get it out of the city limits, we just we just haul it out and dump it outside the city limits. Deal with it later. So there's that. Um, around this time, also people there used to be what was called the miasmic theory of disease, which today we know is nonsense. Okay. But it, but you know, before people knew about germs and that sort of thing, they thought that like you could get sick from bad smells. So there everyone's like terrified that they're going to get sick. Um and a lot of them do get sick. You know, there's a lot of terrible diseases still going around at this time. But it isn't caused by the bad smells. It's just a coincidence that it's that, caused by crawling around probably in feces. Yeah. But which right. also happens to cause bad smells. <laughs> yes. So the health commissioner at the time he says, okay, we need to actually use some city money, get something together to collect all this waste and get it out of here. And so he gets that set up. The problem is, at this time, Milwaukee was kind of run ward by ward. 
And I don't think it's that way anymore. But at that time, the head of each ward in Milwaukee had some level of authority. Okay. So the city commissioner, health commissioner, could propose this, but each ward had to approve it. Okay. And most of them didn't. (laughs) Okay. Some of them did. Five out of the 13 wards at the time agreed to it. Okay. Um, But within three years, the program collapsed because it turns out it's not really financially feasible if not everybody's participating. Right. So it did not not work very well. Um, 1878, there's a very hot summer. Uh, Smells reach, well, the all-time high. So... The Common Council, the City Council, they say, okay, the problem was we let each ward make their own decision. That was the problem. This time, we're not going to have the wards do it. We're going to go over their heads, and we're just going to get bids from companies who want to do this and make it a city thing. Screw the wards. We're doing it our own way. Um, They weren't able to actually get that into effect until 1886. So it took them, was that, like eight years before they could finally get that program up and running. Now. Do you have any idea at this point in time? Like you said, they went above the, the wards. Yeah. So did did the city itself control the money and disperse it to the wards? Or, or like, did the cities have to, you know, you understand I what I'm I definitely don't know how, how, how tax collecting work. worked. Yeah. Um, I, I assume the fact that, that wards had some level of control over their individual areas that the taxes must have been dispersed accordingly. But I, I have no idea. I do not know how that was determined or what was even taxed. I don't know. Where, I don't really like know. Like where the revenue was even coming from is probably... Right. It's not going to be the way it is right. today, obviously. Right. So. I mean, I, I'm so unfamiliar with what the process was for taxing people in the 1800s. I don't even have a good <laughs> guess. So um, I'm sorry to the listeners that I that I don't, but that's... I mean, anything that you could think of today that we would tax, I don't know that they even would have. Tax yeah. Times, yeah. I mean, there's no gas tax because they're not using gas. So I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know what the, what the taxes are, where the taxes are coming from. So anyway, they get that up and going. Uh, apparently, there was some real problems with the original people they contracted. They didn't show up every time they were supposed to. Like, you know, I don't know what the schedule was at the time, but like the, today, if your garbage day is Wednesday. Um, they didn't show up every Wednesday like they should have. <laughs> and apparently some of them cut corners and instead of taking where they were supposed to take it. They'd find empty lots like in the middle of the route and just dump it oh back out God, in the middle of the, in an empty lot. You know, so then their truck would be empty and they could start again without having to go all the way back, back to yeah, wherever. I, suppose, I can see that why they would do that, but yeah, yeah. that's gross. Some really shady stuff. So finally, finally, uh, we got to move to a new system this is not working and not only that at this point in time the suburbs are also getting more you know they're formed they're stronger mm-hmm. like you can't just take it outside the city limits and dump it anymore because because there's places actually don't want it yeah you're, <laughs> like, you're now probably dumping it in somebody's front yard basically or right <laughs> right it reaches a point where not everything outside of milwaukee is a farm field there's right. actually other towns out there <laughs> so they don't like it so they're like okay what do we do now? We're going to burn it. We're going to burn everything. And that's what they did. They set up a thing called the Phoenix Garbage Cremator. <laughs> I love the name. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's you know, you already got Phoenix in the name. You got this flaming bird. 
but then you got cremator on it. Like we're not we're not joking around here. This is what we're gonna do. So they set that up. The city paid for it. During while they were waiting, between the time that the suburbs didn't want it and the time the cremator was up and running, they just started dumping everything in Lake Michigan directly. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, this wasn't great. Uh, and apparently, the the dumping site was up current from the water intake. <laughs> So a lot of people would turn on their home tap and strange things would come out of their oh home tap. Oh my god, that is so gross. Yeah, so not great. Not great. Um, once the incinerator was up and running, that stopped, but then it switched to a new problem um, because of where it was positioned. It was on the west side of the city. And apparently they didn't take things into, uh, into account as far as the wind direction that was most common. And this is a newspaper quote. It resulted in a killing odor with the strength enough to paralyze the man in the moon. <laughs> um, a, you know, interesting phrasing of the time. But, yeah, but, you know, obviously the implication here is that the smell from the incinerator is so bad you can smell it from the moon. No, like, it's, it's bad. So probably, at this point, they probably didn't even do any good with the problem. They, I mean, I guess people are probably getting, less people are getting sick at this point. Yes. But they just can't stand the smell of their city. Things are, they're going the right direction, but I think what's the problem is, is the population of Milwaukee is growing at too fast a pace to handle the level of garbage that it creates. They do some improvements on the incinerator, and it does get better. They find some ways to kind of put, kind of hide that. Um, there was a group of businessmen who came together, and they called themselves the Anti-Stench Committee <laughs> to come up with ideas to fix this. But the original designer of the Phoenix Garbage Cremator, uh, he got so much hate mail that he ended up just killing himself. Wow. Like, he just, he could not take the, the level of complaints Thanks that he so. got about it. I don't know that guy's name, unfortunately. So, I'm sorry, guy. <laughs> um, I don't have your name written down. But didn't go well for him. So now they they get a new incinerator, and they're going to put this incinerator, this is 1890s, new incinerator in Ozaki County, 14 miles north of the city limit. So now here we go. Now we're mixing some ideas. We're taking it out of the city, and we're burning it. Mm-hmm. So this is a little bit better. We're not dumping it anymore, and we don't have to smell the burning. So it's it's getting out there. There was some scandal involved in this. It turned out that a number of the city council members had financial interest in this new incinerator, but uh, despite that uh, potential scandal, it didn't actually stop it from going through because people still thought it was such a good idea. They were like, whatever. <laughs> you guys are going to make money off of it, fine. <laughs> Get it out of here. So the local local garbage collectors would come through three times a week. They would bring it out to the harbor, load it up onto a boat. The boat would then go up along the coast to Ozaki County, and they would burn it there. So um, that actually went fairly smooth. Um, some people, you know, they would still complain about sometimes they would miss the pickups and things like that. So it wasn't perfect. But this is like we're reaching new levels of success. <laughs> uh, the incinerator plant could handle between 60 and 70 tons a day. So that was good. But with population growing soon, already in the 1890s, people in Milwaukee were throwing out 80 tons a day. So it can burn 70, people are making 80, which means every single day another 10 tons of garbage is created they can't get rid of. <laughs> so, not fantastic. Okay. 
this goes on for some time. Um, and then finally, in the end of the 1890s, they moved to a new system where they would build another incinerator, this one in Milwaukee, but they would couple it with a landfill. This would be the first landfill in Milwaukee. Um, and it would be, it, they say it was on Erie Street. It was basically, I like to say it was basically where the Summerfest grounds are today. Okay. It was down in that area. And it it worked really well. It actually, you know, you could burn some of it. You could bury the rest of it. And that cut down on the stench because it just didn't burn the really stinky <laughs> stuff. Yeah. And, and save taxpayers money because there was less hauling involved. Uh, it created a... Uh, jobs because it wasn't a private thing anymore. Now it actually was becoming a city thing where you'd have to go through the city to become like a garbage collector and disposal. So um, things seemed to be going in the right direction. Everything was up and running and burning by 1902. So that was fantastic. Uh, the, the Erie Street garbage incineration plant was fully operational to its peak by 1910 and stayed that way until 1955. So that holy cow! So that thing lasted a while. And what the health commissioner would come back do tests, and and things were better. Like the hygiene was was strong. The things weren't as polluted. Um, construction in the area seemed good. Everything was strong. So it was all fantastic. So yeah, that was that's what's leading us up to the early 1900s in the world of garbage. So a little sneak peek on the second half is for those who don't know, Erie Street is, I don't know if it was in the Third Ward, but it's like right on the edge of the Third Ward. Okay. And the Third Ward, of course, is where all the Sicilians have settled in Milwaukee. So it makes them great candidates for the garbage job uh, because they don't live very far from the incinerator. And also being the new kids on the block, being the new immigrants, because early 1900s is really when the bulk of the Sicilians came to Milwaukee, or the United States for that matter. But when they came to Milwaukee, these are the jobs that were available. Uh, I don't know what the pay was, but certainly it's not a prestigious job. Mm-hmm. You know, going around with a horse and a cart picking up people's garbage is not something most people want to do. Mm-hmm. So... Um, when you're the new person, you know, the new immigrant, uh, you, those jobs really become, you know, they go your direction. You right. don't you don't get the super nice jobs. Yeah. So it all times out really well where suddenly there's just tons and tons of, of garbage carrier jobs or garbage burner jobs. And we've got, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of people who now need jobs. So it times out really well for them. And... That can also lead to the Sicilians, or particularly the Sicilians that are in the Mafia. Yes. Maybe getting involved in some corruption with that, maybe. Mm-hmm. So, and that's where we're going to go in, ne- in the next episode, that I is, assume. That is the second part. But yeah, for this first part, I just wanted to give a very broad overview of how garbage and garbage disposal came to be. Um, it's actually a topic I find super fascinating. We breeze through it here, but... Um, I, I find that amazing because we do see that that Milwaukee, you know, is, is just an example. Like you can see that anywhere, anywhere that has a population boom, mm-hmm. it's a problem. Well, and that's what I what, what the biggest thing that I take from this story is like because I assume that Milwaukee, yeah, they were probably in a population boom at the time, mm-hmm. but it couldn't have been anything compared to say something somebody like New York 
or Chicago right. or something. And I just can't imagine. I mean, if yeah. Milwaukee's trash problem got this bad, can you imagine what those other cities must have been like? I mean, it yeah. must have just been disgusting. Absolutely, yeah. And and I don't and I don't really know anything about that. But I that's that's what I find interesting though. It's just it's, we completely changed our lifestyle of you know everything has a place to suddenly every day we've got waste mm-hmm. and we got to get rid of it and we have more people and and nobody wants it i mean we're we're recording this in the appleton area we're in what we call the fox cities and i mean that's an ongoing thing like we've got the room for landfills like it's not like we're short on space but nobody wants it yeah. nobody wants the landfill by them or yeah. whatever yeah totally <laughs> so yeah i, I mean Honestly, it is a very interesting topic, and and I would actually love to hear about like how we, this compares. Maybe Chicago was like, you know, their people were way smarter about this. And Maybe they handled it much better. Maybe, but I'm I'm feeling like, what did you say? Twenty five tons of garbage at one point in time. That was twenty five tons of horse manure. Yeah, just horse manure. Yeah. So, which I'm gonna guess was probably at that point in time the major biggest culprit of trash. I think that's probably a safe bet. Yeah. But but still I mean if if Milwaukee's at 25 tons in a day. Yeah. I can't imagine what these other cities were at. Absolutely. I mean Absolutely. Wow. And, and, and yeah, and I imagine that Chicago could probably have handled it in a similar way because I mean now Chicago is like it's dense city for miles on, as far as the eye can see. But it didn't. It wasn't always that way. I mean, yeah, you know, right. there used there used to actually be suburbs <laughs> in Chicago, not just an endless strip mall for fifty <laughs> miles. Um, but New York, I don't know. I not again. Not that I know much about New York, but I picture New York pretty much always it's, being a dense place. Yeah, that's very true. So yeah, it's just crazy. That's that is a crazy thing to think about. Yeah. So, so but so we will be back, I guess, next week with the mafia side of how they managed to sneak into this trash business and try to extort money from it i guess is that what yeah happens or i don't remember yeah yeah see we got to re-record but you don't remember so it's like we're doing it all over again hey and i will also say for anybody if anybody is listening to this for the second time the way i remember it the way you told the story this time yeah way better than the first time i found up i i don't remember anything being I remember leaving the first time thinking, God, where, where are we going with this? <laughs> yeah. And then, but this one is, was way, there was way more information involved in it in truly talking about the trash. Cool. So, so if you're that listening. That just means the, we're learning. Yeah. We're, we know how to deliver the story. Kind of makes me think we got better at podcasting. Yeah, maybe we, we did. First recorded this episode. Maybe we did. So, so yeah, people will get to the end of this re-recorded stretch and they'll go back to like, how we used to do it. I'm like, oh, wow. oh. Yeah, or they're going to be listening from the beginning, and then they're going to be like, wow. They're going to be like, the fir- listen to the previous episode, and then be like, what just happened? They got so much better yeah. at it then. Yeah. Well, we're not re-recording as long as we have to, so yeah. <laughs> these just have to be a stretch of this new version. Sorry. <laughs> so, all right. Well, that'll wrap this episode up. Um, so we will be back at this time, probably next week with the next episode. So, and um, thanks everybody for tuning in. Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in to the Milwaukee Mafia Podcast. 
Join us next time for another look back at Wisconsin Mafia and true crime history. Hey podcast fam, Eric here. And if you're an affiliate marketer or looking to monetize your online presence, you need to know about ShareASale.com. ShareASale is not just an affiliate network. It's your gateway to a world of opportunities with thousands of high paying affiliate programs across various niches. ShareASale connects you with top brands ready to collaborate with content creators like you. Imagine earning commissions for simply sharing products you love. Whether you're into fashion, tech, or lifestyle, Share Us Sale has got a partnership waiting for you. Ready to turn your passion into profits? Head over to milwaukeemafia.com slash shareasale and sign up today. It's free, it's easy, and it's your ticket to unlocking a new revenue stream for your business.